Dean Davis Show, and we are lucky enough to be joined by one of the most talented people in Chicago, not women, people, mm-hmm. and that is Layla Rahimi. You can always check her out on NBC Chicago uh, Sports. She's going to be at the sideline with the Bulls. Maybe if baseball was in play, she'd be hosting baseball night in Chicago Nights again. Yes, she would be. But multifaceted, talented, witty individual. We have always enjoyed any type of correspondence we've had with her, and we appreciate you joining us this evening. Layla, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, thankful to be on with you guys. The mm. mutual respect is the same. I love the show. I feel like even when you're talking to each other and there's not a show, there's a show. So uh, I'm glad I to appreciate be that. Yeah. All right, Layla, let's start off with one question that we had a debate. Now, I tend to be, all of us grew up in Chicago, but I tend to go with Casey Johnson because when any of us do an interview and someone has a name, usually before you go live, you ask them what their name and how to pronounce it. So are you going with the Arturis Karnasovis or Karnasovis, or even if I'm pronouncing that right, how are we going to pronounce his name right during this interview? Okay, I'm going to get real deep cut here. So I have a buddy who's Lithuanian, mm-hmm. and he goes back to, he used to teach me the name, uh, you remember Jojo Vicious? Yes. Yes. He's Lithuanian. But the way you're supposed to say his name is Yoravicious. Oh. So, like, if you go by that theory, then it's Karnasovis. And not Karnishovas. So I'm going with Karnishovas, but I feel like it's something where we're going to have to get the technicality once mm-hmm. we each talk to him in person. This okay. is the same with Tomasz Sadoransky, by the way. And Sad is a really nice guy, and I was talking to him about it, and I'm like, dude, there's like 18 different ways of saying your name right now. And he's like, I'm okay with Thomas. And I'm like, not what you're okay with. <laughs> I'm like, there are hockey players who play in this building when you guys aren't here. And he's like, yeah, that's true. Tomash. Tomash. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. So I say it's Carni. I say essentially Karnishovas, but uh, I have a buddy who's um, Serbian and he thought it was Karnishovas. But either way, we're going to get it right eventually. I would just like to talk to him in person to get the finer point. But I'm going with niche because of Joe Jaravicious. And, and of course, everybody eventually is going to start calling him AK anyway. He's going to get that a nickname. Is, yeah, that's his nickname in Denver, is AK. Okay. See, I thought we were just bringing that here and I didn't want us to just be lazy. I prefer to try to get someone's name right. Because we like we did an interview yesterday and we said AK through the half of the interview until I finally said his name. And it's like, wait, y'all, we're going too far with this. So I'd rather I think we initially said say it, that man's that. name. But look, all right, we got his name. So this yeah. is my first question for you. Initially, when you heard the list of candidates, which candidate did you prefer? Uh, I, I think down in Houston, perhaps you had a relationship with Arturis. But even outside of that, was there another candidate perhaps that you preferred and that you had learned something about that you think you thought would have benefited the Bulls as executive vice president? Well, uh, I was – so I just missed Arturis. Okay. Oh. Basically, he got there as or he left as I was getting there. But you all know I'm pretty pro the tree that Daryl Morey has – in the NBA, and that includes Sam Hinkie, trust the process. Mm-hmm. But Gerson Rosas is another good example in Minnesota. AK is another good example. Maury's done work when it comes to the GM tree and his disciples all being out in the NBA. So I just missed Arturis, but obviously I'm familiar with Maury's regime in Houston, so that was a good sign. Zanuck from the Jazz is a name I think we were all a little bit interested to see what was going to happen there because he also went through the interview process. And Donovan Mitchell links those two franchises in the Nuggets and in the Jazz. So 
you've got to like what the Jazz have done too as far as how they've built their team, especially given the tools that they've had. But when you hear about AK, one of the, one of the stances on him and what people say is that it was just a matter of time before he was going to run his own franchise. He interviewed for the Bucks and the Nets jobs. So you knew that he was in that running. So it was either going to be Zanuck or AK, in my opinion, in my estimation. And then once all the reports started coming out, Vinny Goodwill, I believe, was one of the first to say it was AK's to lose. And so that's what we're seeing now is he ended up being the guy. Dean Davis, right now we have Layla Rahimi from NBC Sports Chicago. Layla, when you bring up uh, Daryl Morey, and I'm a huge fan also, but the only question I have when we look at our tourists, will he do do most of his work from an analytics point, like it seems like Daryl Morey, or is there a multifaceted factors as far as, you know, the scouting, uh, the, the field, the touch and feel, the relationships with people more than just necessarily the numbers? So what we've heard, and Morey talked about this as well, was that Arturis is collaborative. That was the scouting report we had on him. So he wasn't as much in the advanced analytics as he was the other sides to building a team through the draft, free agency, and then scouting. So trades as well. So uh, from what we've heard, he's not, he's not as, uh, I don't know, mad scientist is the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> He's not as out there as Maury is. Like, Maury's like, let's not have a center. So that experiment right. happened. I don't think that AK is that way. He is collaborative. He talks about filling in his weaknesses or trying to have a sort of balance to what each person brings in the front office. So I don't think we're going to see the lab as much as say it happened in Philly and in Houston, but we are going to see a little bit more presence than what we've seen in the past in that department. I was worried about PJ Tucker playing the five for the Bulls, and that was basically his last. I mean, that roster in Houston got real avant garde. Let's see how it's going to go down there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, listen, Layla. One question I had, I, well, kind of the debate we had on the show was. Just from your reporting, just hearing more about, I'm just going to call him AK. Uh, do you think he's going to be more of a front, a forward face, not forward facing, a public face? Or do you think his GM, whoever he decides to hire, is going to be more so of that, of that guy out in the public talking to the media, uh, talking to the fans per se, and he's going to be in the back kind of like, you know, pulling the strings and making things happen? You know, it's an interesting question because of what happened in Denver. So we were told that AK wasn't as front facing as Connolly in Denver. And Connolly was really more of the guy who faced the media a lot. And Denver is not Chicago when it comes to the expectation of the executive in a sports franchise outside of Ryan Pace for the media. So it's going to be interesting to see if he has somebody who's a little more media savvy come into that GM role or a little more front facing. And he continues to be the guy who's not as upfront or if he is a little more, public presence filled here in Chicago. He did do a 15-minute interview with Casey Johnson. We have it on our website at NBCSportsChicago.com. So he's embracing that role. He knows he's got to talk to everybody, and he's being very upfront and honest in how he's doing it so far. So that might be a little bit different than what we saw out of him in Denver. 
D and David show on a, on a, I'm gonna say on a line with us. I feel, feel like a radio show, but hey, you can watch us as well on YouTube. Uh, talking to Layla Raheem right here of NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, speaking of the GM, do you have an idea or a guy you might like? You have Michael Finley, a hometown kid here in Chicago. You spent time in Philadelphia. You have Mark uh, Eversley. Who do you think might be able to, you know, have a leg up on a position? Yeah, you mentioned Eversley in, in Philly, and his name is one that's getting brought up a lot. Mm-hmm. And why not? You've got to like what the Sixers have done in the past several years. Although there are people that argue Sixers team last year and two years ago was a little bit stronger than what they were working with in their current iteration. Mm-hmm. But Finley, I'm a Mavericks fan growing up. So, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for Michael Finley. Yeah. He was one of the bright spots in that franchise when there weren't a lot of bright spots to be had, and he was with them for those early playoff runs. Mark Cuban coming out and complimenting him in the way he did, I think says a lot. He wants to promote Michael Finley. Finley is a very well-respected guy. I was curious to see what was going to happen with Calvin Booth, but all indications seem that he's not going anywhere in Denver. So that was a question that we had had. We already saw the hiring of Polk out of New Orleans and his specialty is contracts. So we can kind of fill in the gaps to see what we might get out of a future GM on this team. But everybody was concerned about who was going to be running this thing. So that's number one. Yeah. And now we've just got to fill in the pieces from there. Let me ask you this. What Bulls players do you think are going to benefit from the philosophies that Arturis has espoused as far as fast-paced and positionless basketball that are on the roster? And what Bulls players may it may not benefit moving forward? Well, what's interesting is we've heard Jim Boylan himself talk about how he wants players to not be so uh, married to a position on the court. This is not a new concept for the Bulls. So I think it's something that won't be as foreign of a concept. What is going to be interesting to me, and I'm sure you guys have thought this too, look at the passing that goes on in Denver mm-hmm. and how they run their sets. Yeah. So is it going to be as much based on transition and getting out ahead and out in front like we've seen, or are there going to be more specific plays run? Are there going to be more sets? I don't think it's going to be the whole get the steal, get the rebound, run down, try to shoot that early in the shot clock. I think it's going to be making extra passes. And KC talked about this on the Bulls Talk podcast. He said, I think there's going to be a lot of Bulls who have guys with balls coming at their heads because they're not going to realize that uh, that there's going to be an extra pass thrown their way. So as to who that benefits, he's already, AK's already talked about the youth of this roster. So you know he's probably thinking about Daniel Gafford. He's thinking about Kobe White. And Kobe has falling into that positionless role, if you will. Then you've got other players who, I don't know. I I can't help but think that this is going to benefit Larry Markkinen. Mm. Don't I, you I, guys think it's going yeah. to? Well, I wanted it. I wanted to. I, I I was a huge fan of the Finnish Lord, as I dubbed him initially. Now he's the Finnish Squire. Yes, he's a Squire. He's not a Lord right now, but he can get his lordship back. Um, <laughs> this isn't like the traditional feudal system where you're just stuck. No, it's not. This is no, 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 no. Not tradition. It's, it's broken. This is broken. <laughs> but it's, and I, of course, him being an international player, your first thoughts is, it, man, listen, this should benefit Laurie. But I, being a, a, a Bulls fan and going through some of the things that we're going through. I try not to get ahead of the cart, basically. I try to slow my, my roll. Because one of the questions I was going to ask you is, sh- as a fan, should I trust this? It sounds good. 
it's great getting someone from outside of the system. We had a debate with a friend of ours who wanted BJ to be included in the process. And we're kind of just like, listen, let's break the whole, you have to know me thing that goes on with the bulls. Mm -hmm. When you see that philosophy wise, it's better in business to go out and get the best and brightest and not necessarily who, you know, so I think so. But one thing you brought up and it was from that, a bulls talk podcast with uh, Tony, Jason, Casey and a uh, Schaefer, I believe. Uh, yeah. One of the things, Rashad, one of the things, and it's funny when you're saying that and was talking to Fern Djokovic, and on this team right now, it, it, with a team that you want, even though it's positionless, you want someone to get these guys in their sets. And in Denver, you're in the offense through Djokovic. And we, I mean, and that's such a unique player. You're not going to find a guy like that in, right. once in a generation. So now we're saying that if, to implement what perhaps his philosophy is that he will have to go out and get a lead guard or, and I, it's a long stretch because I'm a, I'm a Kobe White fan, they're going to press Kobe to be more less combo and maybe a little bit more point guardy. What do you think? Well, I think the initial impression when we all thought Kobe White was coming here was I thought point guard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's safe to say that that's still a thought that can happen. And the Nuggets are really big on talent development. As we've seen their franchise prove, right? They get guys, they keep guys, they develop them. So, yeah, I think that Kobe is probably somebody you would mentally slate to be a point guard. Now, is that going to happen once they play this out? I think the big question here hinges on what happens with Jim Boylan. Mm -hmm. Because if, if Boylan's system is something that AK likes, then is it going to be similar to what we've seen previously or not? And one of the reports that came out, and this is a question that everybody has in their mind, and I hate to jump ahead of it, but to me, it, none of these questions about players and personnel get answered until you're trying to figure out what happens with the head coach mm. and how he wants this system to go, right? So. Yeah. As long as, as long as that is still in question, and, and Michael Reinsdorf, Casey quoted him saying that AK has the chance to talk to Boylan now for hours, and AK has said that he wants to evaluate. So judging by both those things, you know that he's going to talk to Boylan. I'm assuming, safe to say, that this conversation was one that Michael Reinsdorf and AK had before he got hired, mm -hmm. the evaluation of the head coaching position. It certainly seemed to be that way with the general manager spot. So. If Boylan stays, are we going to see the same system out of Boylan? And if so, are we going to see the same system run by the players? So then you have to ask, is Larry going to benefit from that? But based on what we see in Denver, I don't know how you can't say that Larry would benefit from that system a little bit more than what he's in right now. Layla, one question I was going to ask you was, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for AK since he's accepted the role? Uh, we talked about this also too. Joe Cali put out the uh, put out the tweet, and you kind of alluded to it right here that uh, Boylan kind of has the ear or has the backing of a lot of people inside the organization. Now we don't know where that's going to go, but hearing that, do you think it's going to be a challenge to even to move him out since he has a backing, or what do you think might be some possible challenges that that lie ahead of him? Okay, so. We already know that this was probably discussed, right? So the question is, what happens from here about it? What is the actual action that takes place? So Michael Reinsdorf hired Jim Boylan. So do they keep him vis-a-vis -vis what they're doing? That's the real question. So, you know, I think Joe Kelly is correct. Like he has people in his corner for a reason. You don't hire somebody and go out on that limb unless you believe in them. 
which was the same way for John Paxson and Gar Foreman. I think we've seen a little bit of skepticism out of Bulls fans simply because John Paxson is still there. But Paxson yes. willingly took a different role. He willingly stepped away and said as much to people. And I don't think that our tourist comes in, and you heard that phrase, full authority, that Woj used when this process really started to heat up. I don't think you get there and have the words full authority out there unless you're willing to give somebody full authority, whatever that may mean. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree with that one. Uh, I don't think he would have took the job and knowing that possibly he could have got undercut uh, for the for the position. But if he, if Boylan is gone, who do you think might be able? Who do you think he might reach out to? You hear Adrian Griffin, a former Chicago Bull, is uh, slated to be like the next up and coming uh, head coach. But is there anybody else out there that you you know have any issues for you? Have any other names you've heard? Well, you know, there was the one that they just they just discussed Fleming, so he just got hired. Mm-hmm. So that's somebody that AK wanted to bring on and he was, he helped him hire, he helped him get hired in Denver. So that's somebody that he's brought in. So you have to ask, what is his full position going to be with this team? Mm. Adrian Griffin, people love him. You know, people talk about him a lot and the potential that he would have to be a head coach. It's funny that you guys mentioned the whole BJ Armstrong situation, because I know you've probably heard the same theories I have that Tibbs might come back. Yeah. I've been hearing that a lot now. Yeah. But I also feel like Knicks fans are saying Tibbs. I feel like a lot of people in the NBA are saying Tibbs. What's unfortunate is I don't know that you can have that discussion yet because of what's going on in the NBA. You can't really move on a head coaching position until there's some conclusion that's made about this season. So we might be waiting for a long time to figure out who the head coach of this team is going to be if there is a change. And even though they did the right thing at the right time and made the right move to get the executive in place, it still might be really complicated and really tough to try to see what happens in this time as far as evaluating coaching potential. Dan Davis, right now we have Layla Rahimi from NBC Sports Chicago joining us talking about the Bulls and Arturis Karnisobis. All right. <laughs> this, is, this is one question I have for you. And of course, it's, it's just what you expect. Usually with the Bulls, as far as drafting, they go for high floor guys to somewhat avoid risk. Um, you, can we expect that our tourists will be a tad bit more adventurous? You can kind of look at the Michael Porter Jr. drafting, but he kind of fell to them. And the value at 14 was great because he was almost the first pick in the lottery if he wasn't injured at Missouri. So do you, do you look at the drafting as upcoming with the Bulls that there'll be uh, some more risk-taking and perhaps going for players that the old regime perhaps would have deemed uh, too volatile, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the Bulls have gone with safe picks. Mm-hmm if we can all kind of agree to that. They've gone to people who you would expect to see. But the difference is, who did the Nuggets trade with in that Doug McDermott deal? Bulls. Bulls. Yeah. So, but the difference is the Nuggets hit on people. Mm-hmm. You know, they hit on Nurkic. They've hit on all these guys in the draft. They had that capital in place, as we like to say, the personnel capital, to be able to take the risk because they could afford to sit Michael Porter Jr. out with that injury. They could afford to take the risk and just see what what was going to happen to him. Unfortunately, we're still waiting to fully see what's going to happen with Michael Porter Jr. But I do expect there to be some risk taken as far as who they draft and how. It's going to look different, but they've got to take a little bit more risk and take and take a few more chances 
on players in the draft based on what they have right now. The bigger question I think is, this is a big shift as far as the roster is concerned overall, because I know you guys know this. There's a lot of thought that the Bulls are pretty locked in as far as their roster was concerned, mm-hmm. especially given their position in the, in the standings right now. Right. We all know, we all yeah. know what that, that draft pick is exactly. like. Exactly. <laughs> Number over seven again. And over and over. And over. <laughs> <laughs> like, but okay, so to that end, I, you know, we've been thinking, okay, Otto Porter Jr., $28.5 million, you're locked into that deal. Mm-hmm. How do you rotate around that? There's not, there wasn't a ton of money to go around, but you can creatively work in another perhaps big contract. So previously we all thought that might not be the case. This was going to be the iteration of the Bulls mm-hmm. roster for at least another season. But free agent-wise, we might have some movement there. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how does that make the draft come back around? Yeah, no, one thing I'm very curious, though, because here in Chicago, we know the only way to really build this team is going through the draft and no free agents, big time free agents ever has ever come here, really. You know, uh, Dennis Rodman was traded. You know, that, that was really about it. So one thing I'm really interested to see, uh, Arturis definitely has his hands overseas, but does this kind of open up the eyes to a lot of big name free agents here in the States and obviously in the NBA, you have uh, Anthony Davis, you have a Giannis, you have a Jokic, you know, maybe those guys look at AK. It's like, you know what? Things are different in Chicago. No more guard forming. What do you think about that? Do you think it's going to, his hire is going to put a, a, a better view on an organization as a whole to bring in some of those big time free agents? Bulls have had two GMs in their history prior to this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This will change it. Absolutely. How it, how it changes how the free agents view it, who wants to be the first big guy possibly to come here in free agency, that's the question you're going to have to ask. What are the relationships? Everybody compliments AK's relationships, it seems like. That's one of his real strengths, is building relationships, whether it's through scouting, whether it's through socializing, whether it's through power lunches and dinners. Like He knows all the right things. He's worked with a lot of teams. So you know he's got that base. He's a known commodity. Players respect him. Coaches and teammates respect him. Front office people respect him. So how is he going to bring that over, and how is it going to benefit this Bulls team? Because that was the group thing, right? We all thought nobody wants to stand in the shadow of the guy who's got the statue in the atrium. Nobody wants to come here. It's cold weather city. It's Eastern right. conferences and that. Two GMs in the team's history before this. This is going to change it. It's just a matter of how. Are those arguments going to still ring true? We don't know. We just don't know. It's safe to say that things are going to change. The Bulls didn't do this for no reason. They didn't bring a guy from the outside for no reason. That, to me, is the most significant piece of this. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to think that free agents are going to respect that, too. Agents are going to respect that, too. Layla, look, let's get a little personal here. Uh, (laughs) No, but look, this is is primarily, as far as you being the Bulls reporter, this was your first season. And I'm, I'm sorry to end it abruptly, but how did yeah. this season go? How was the experience for you? It was good. I think there were a lot of good moments from it. Uh, I, I've been an NBA reporter before with the Houston Rockets, so that was a lot of fun, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. I was a team with James Harden, Pat Beverly, and Dwight Howard, Chandler mm-hmm. Parsons. There oh, were a lot of personalities wow. there. Uh, I, and I've covered the Bulls a bit for NBC Sports Chicago, like when I first got here. Mm-hmm. One of, my takeaways were – Pretty interesting because of not just the conversations that you have with people 
who are on the team, but the conversations with people all around it. Like I got to talk to Kendrick not a bit when he was here, when he came in with the Miami Heat. You get to talk to Bobby Portis, see how he's doing. You get to talk to former Bulls, Chicago people. All-Star was an amazing experience. I'm thankful we got to have it. Yeah. That's a month later, the world has changed, you know, a month after the All-Star game. So for me, it was a great experience, but it was also about learning too. And just talking to Luol Deng, I took so much away from that. We talked to Joe Kim Noah mm. before he signed with the Clippers. I talked to Nazi Muhammad too, who I think would make such a great executive. Yeah, another name out there. The yeah, I, I loved that Nazi Muhammad's name was out there. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, on a personal level, you, you're in the NBA. You're covering the Chicago Bulls. You can't complain about that. Right. But, you know, I always say it takes a year to get used to something. Like your second season is going to be so much better than your, your first. So we wait and we will see what happens when the time comes. But I'm looking forward to all the changes to see what happens. Oh, you did real well. Uh, yeah, you did. Love you watching did real the games. well. You did real well. Even going back to all the way back to you catching Coach K when you had Kobe White. Uh, I mean, not Coach K, uh, Williams, and coming, yeah, Roy Williams coming over. Like you, you did. You did well this season. Hats off to you. All right, Thanks. go ahead. Hey, Kate, Kate, real, real quick, uh, I wanted to kind of stay on a personal thing, but more so with the profession. Just heard, just uh, saw today. I believe the mayor of Los Angeles said he doesn't think sports is going to happen until 2021. I think the same thing in New York. You had those two states uh, with multiple teams in every profession there. What is your thoughts on that? A simple fact of you, typically the way California goes, the way the country goes, and yeah, here, here in Chicago, it's multiple teams here, obviously in multiple leagues. What do you think? What do you think about all that? Well, Demonte, I think you're right. I think California sets the tone. They were the first ones to enact the shelter-in-place order, and then we moved on second in mm -hmm. Illinois. Mm -hmm. But they might mean that when it comes to fans in the stands. Mm. I think they're trying to tell people realistic right. timelines. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Fauci said today in a Snapchat interview that got picked up by a lot of places, including ESPN, we have an article on it as well, that – he thinks that if sports happen this year, they're going to happen without fans. And I think that's something we've all resigned ourselves to thinking. But, you know, he's right. The virus sets the timeline. We just, mm -hmm. we can't anticipate this because I hate to say it, be a broken record, but it's never happened before. I think right. there are people working on it. We all want to see a game happen somehow, but safety is the most important thing here. Mm-hmm. Dan Davis, we have Layla Rahimi on with us right now from Sports Chicago. Layla, you just brought up something that just, it just triggered something in my head. So let's just say sports will come back and the stands are empty. And we've heard a lot about players and team members and maybe even families been put in confinement. But you're a reporter. So you've had to think about, to a certain degree, well, what happens if sports come back? And what if I have to be, for, for your interactions with said players, put in confinement? What, what, and how has NBC perhaps even talked to you guys about what may happen if sports do return and how you guys are going to have to be either kept away or still have access to the players? We're still in a very wait-and-see mode. We're all still working from home and doing the best we can to just bring the content. And there is so much to be brought to everybody. I think it's a situation where if one decision gets made, then other decisions will start to fall into place as to how they will be made. Do you travel somebody? How is that person going to live? And how are they going to exist in this space if this all works out the way you want it to? So, so much of what we do is based on what the teams do first. And then we're going to figure out what the, the situation is in place to go from there. 
I so think we, the bottom line is we all just try to stay safe. Yeah. For baseball season, primarily what I do is in the studio. So I, I haven't traveled with a team in a long time. And most of what I've done has been in the studio. But Chuck Garfine's the field reporter for the White Sox. So if Chuck goes out there, how does that affect things? All right. Does Chuck go out there? Do they have reporters? Those are questions that we can't answer yet because we just don't know what the exact plan is going to be yet. So what have you been doing in the lockdown to keep yourself from going stir crazy? Uh, well, I've been looking out the window a lot. <laughs> uh, no, uh, thankfully working a lot. We've got a lot of shows on NBC Sports Chicago on our social media too. Mm-hmm. And this Bulls news has kept me busy. So that's the biggest thing is I find myself just glued to the internet, glued to my apps more just because you don't know when news is coming down the line. I, I did watch Tiger King. I'm two episodes in. I only watched the first episode. I was like, I've seen enough. So I, the reason I watched it is because Winniewood, Oklahoma, the side of that, that zoo, yeah, is part of the coverage area of one of my old stations. And the reason uh. I, I never went to the zoo. I sure did you did. Sure you did, Layla. No, because like I was in sports, so I didn't have to do that. So I I used to shoot with a big TV camera, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my jobs as a sports reporter was to go to almost every high school you can practically think of. It was a small town, small market station. So your bread and butter is high school sports. So I've been to Winniewood, but it was to cover like high school football, high school basketball. It wasn't to cover the zoo. So exotic. But, we definitely had stories about the zoo on our station, and my old boss is in the show Tiger King. Ah, so it was just as crazy hearing it firsthand as everyone's seeing it now. Yeah, but you know how it is. Like, there's the the dramatic rendering of it, like mm-hmm. what we saw on Netflix, which I don't blame you for sitting through one or two of those episodes. It, was, it was hard to take. But... Then there's how you talk about it. So, like, you're desensitized to it because you're close to it. So people be like, oh, yeah, that, that crazy wild animal zoo up in Winniewood. And then it's funny because there's another place called Arbuckle Wilderness, which is some sort of wildlife something up there where, like, you can supposedly see giraffes from your car. What the hell is going on Oklahoma? see commercials for it growing up. And it's somewhere close to Winniewood. And I'm like, wait, is that the dude from Arbuckle Wilderness? No, that's another exotic animal guy. Oh, my bad. What? Yeah, yeah, man. You just you just know these things exist, but you really hadn't looked into it much. Or like somebody's already done the story. or So you know what I'm saying? Like things happen like that. Real quick, my last one, and this is for you too, D. How's your sleeping patterns changed? Because I found myself getting up for like around work time before, and before it was two hours prior to that. So it's, like, it's like the whole house kind of wakes up like around nine now, which is like, oh man, we're getting, we getting bad right here. But how's your sleeping patterns changed now due to the, the uh, shelter in place? They are terrible. I, they were all over the place before just because like, I work at night, so mm-hmm. therefore, you know, I primarily get up a little bit later, but now it's like all over the place. It just depends on what I do. Am I rolling out of bed at 10 o'clock for this conference call? It's pretty much the only thing getting me up in the morning, and I stay up way too late. It's terrible. My sleeping patterns are terrible. Like, I've had friends text me like, why were you tweeting at 2 a.m.? I'm not drinking. <laughs> I'm just up that late for no good reason. <laughs> like, I have turned into a college student. Right. Minus oh. the fun parts. Like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, but, but with the ramen. 
Oh, no. I shouldn't be confessing to this. No, no. I said out loud. No, no, nothing wrong. I've some legitimate dinners, but did I buy a six pack of ramen just in case? Oh, for sure. I did. Just in case. (laughs) Just yeah. Listen, I know mine. Our schedule hasn't changed that much because we have Grace and she has to still get up and she has to do, uh, do our schoolwork and Chanel's a teacher, so she has to be online. But yeah, once before Ken, you're right. I would roll out about maybe six o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock. But now it's like I got to log in at eight o'clock. It's seven forty-five. <laughs> you guys start, y'all gotta start being my alarm. Like I need texts from you guys at a legitimate hour because um, I am I am disappointing myself. Like if I wake up at eight or nine, I'm doing okay. I just, I haven't been sleeping a lot. I don't know about you guys. But I'm with you. I haven't had good sleep with this. Yeah, I've always been kind of a night owl, but it's whatever. But one thing before we let you go, the verses, the all the, all the Instagram verses, we've been all, we've been going back and forth on, on IG talking about that. So yes, what's been your favorite so far? Uh, as far as Bible verses, I'd, ha- I, I'd have to say there was one from, is that what you're talking about? You're talking oh, about no, I'm talking about the, like the battles, the, uh, the IG no, battles. No, no, the Bible is more important. What Bible verses are the trappers? I'm like, well, you know, those those my bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, don't this worry about it. what happens when you talk to somebody too much on Instagram. We cover um, no, because my latest post was something about Easter where I thought. Yeah, was- you, it was. It was a good one. It was. Yes. It wasn't my words. It was somebody else's. Okay, so the battles. Um, yeah. First of all, I'm still partial to the original from Hot 97, Just Beats, and, or Just Blaze and Swiss Beats. Mm. Just Blaze, Swiss Beats, to me, was like the OG because nobody was doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did love T-Pain, and D, you, you caught me on that. Well, you were the one who informed <laughs> me. T-Pain and uh, Lil John. Lil John, yeah. And you know what the best part about it was? T-Pain, King of Auto-Tune, sounded exactly like he does on records. Oh, like, yeah. Why are you using Auto-Tune? You don't even need it. Have you seen this uh, Tiny Desk concert? Well, no. I've seen Lizzo's, which was really Oh, good. I'm going to send you the link to the T-Pains. It's, I, think it's the most, I think it's the most watched Tiny Desk of all time. But so I was really disappointed because they didn't play Bia Bia. Oh, oh one. yeah. Mm, I feel you on that one. I, I do like a little B.I.B.I. B. I. Yeah. in my battle. I must admit I, that. I can't say it so normally. <laughs> <laughs> right. I hear the piano in my mind right now. Yeah, that was oh. probably my favorite out of okay. all of them. And I don't know why, but D-Nice has been amazing, too. Yeah. yeah. His are just the comments. You're there for the comments, you know? Yeah. Who's all in there? No doubt. No doubt. Can't. Layla, we, we want your family and everybody else to be safe. We hope if anybody has been affected, they, that they are healed by now. Uh, please look out and be safe. And we definitely appreciate you for joining us today. Well, my same wish to you guys, of course. That's number one. Be well, be safe. And let's all try to keep just moving through this as best we can. That's right. And things open up a little bit in the future. We've got to definitely have you on again. All right. Yes, thank you for having me. All right, Layla Rahimi, NBC Sports reporter, anchor, host, NBC Sports Chicago. Make sure you follow her on Twitter at Layla Rahimi. Layla, thank you.